the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In my mind, I think the clearest view of God's amazing love can be found in Luke 15 as we take a look at the love of the Father for the two prodigal sons. Join us. So much has been spoken of Luke 15 and the prodigal son. Some will even talk about the prodigal son's pearl because the other one, though he stayed, was still wayward. But seldom do we talk about the father. And that's exactly what we've been doing yesterday and today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Welcome to our program. We're looking at the love of the father for both of his sons. It's an amazing love story. Please join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast. He goes and he lives this profligate life in the far country. He squanders the wealth that no telling how long the family worked to accumulate it. He consumes it in wild living. He spent everything. A severe famine came in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be a, to a citizen of that country. Of all things, happens to be a Gentile. Can you imagine the insult? A young Jewish boy wishes his dad dead, takes off. Let's go to the red light district of the Gentiles and break everything I was taught up to bar mitzvah. Party, do whatever. And now I'm working for Gentiles, raising unclean animals. So I've lost my father. I've left my brother. I've obviously left my religious moorings. I've left the village in which I'm disdained. I'm in exile. I'm hungry, and I'm broke. And I'm feeding pigs. And I'm hoping to just fill my stomach with the pods that pigs were eating. And this is quite interesting. In the far country, no one gives him anything. It was only in the father house that he got anything. The far country won't take care of you. The far country is the exiles in this world. That uh, hunger is in your soul. Uh, I I listened to a gospel song that Helen Baylor sings and. uh, she sings this song, and uh, she's giving her testimony. She said uh, how she started uh, living with a boyfriend when she was singing on the road uh, for all these different groups. And uh, she said, you see, when I live with this boyfriend, I can get all the drugs I wanted for free. And then she just hesitates. She said, how many of you know they weren't free? Sin is never free. It always will cost you. You'll pay more than you ever counted on. 
And this boy doesn't count on a famine. He doesn't count on the money running out. He imagined he was the life of the party. He bought the drinks at every party. He, bought, he brought the drugs. He brought every. When you're loaded, honey, when you've got money, uh, you can get women, you get drugs, and you can party every weekend. It's when the famine comes who will help you. Nobody in the far country offered anything. They had nothing to offer. The best on the menu was what the pigs were eating. It's a terrible thing to see pigs being the resting place for sons. It says, uh, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? Now, he rehearses this. When he's in the far, he never gets to say this. But he's going to rehearse. It's gotten bad enough. Dad's looking good again. Does, does he think dad, does he fall in love with his dad? No. He falls in love with food. And the only place he can get food. So he's not doing any big favors here. And he rehearses this little, you know, when you want to reconcile with somebody, you rehearse 15 times how you're going to say it. And I'll cover my bases and I'll say this and all that. He's rehearsing it down there. Hey, I've got a father. Hey, I'll think it through. Some think he was repented here. It doesn't say he repented. It said he came to his senses. He came to his soul. His nephesh. He, he got in touch with himself. Man, I'm starving down here, and I've got rich relatives. I've got my dad's hired hands eat better than anybody in this famine-plagued country. And so he works out his reconciliation story. And here he says, uh, hey, I'll, I'll go back. My dad's hired help. They're doing good. I'm starving to death. I'll set out. I'll go back to my father. This is what I want to say to him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And he had. That's good. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's good. He, he's not worthy. He's a wretched, wretched guy in the Middle East. He, he ought to be stoned. That's just the custom. And then he says, make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. What's really interesting about that phrase, they had different kinds of slaves. But this is not the ordinary word for slave. Matter of fact, it's not even the word for slave. It was uh, the word for craftsman. And what he is saying, I'm going to go back to my dad, and I'm going to make him a proposition. Dad, just give me a job. Give me a job like your hired men who normally lived on the edge of the estate or the village. I, I just want to live close by. I never expect to be treated like a son again. And, and let me earn wages. I'll pay my way. Some think that he might have dreamed or thought that I'll pay you back. Because Jewish repentance concept among the rabbis was you make recompense. You, you don't just come back and say you're sorry. You, you've got to pay compensation. So it's not enough to say, Dad, I sinned. I'm sorry. Yes. And what else? And what do you plan to do? And his scheme was, I'll work. I'll work. I'll pay you back. I'll never be a liability another day of my life. And matter of fact, Maybe I can pay you back 
everything I spent. Well, the proposal that he never did make this. He never did say this to the father. The father won't let him. He cuts him off. The proposal is like saying, I've spent a million, but I make 10 cents a day. What he spent had been inherited and had been in the family tree for years. He can't work enough hours. There's not enough years in him to ever pay back. But sometimes it is in all of us will earn the Father's favor. If I can just work enough, maybe I can get the Father to accept me. But we'll find out what he says and how the Father responded. Notice what he said in verse 21. This is after the Father runs out to him and throws his arms around him. Notice what he said. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Right? He rehearsed that. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Right there. He gets no further. What's this working proposition? It just evaporated. You know why? The Father's love crushed every merit system that you could ever earn your way back. You will get back because of the greatness of my heart, not because you can work, not because you can earn it. You can't get in the Father's heart by merit. You just can't. How does the Father respond to this outrageous prodigal? Watch. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, how do you see anybody a long way off? This isn't seeing Mount Tamalpais. This isn't seeing Mount Diablo. Now, now we've got, uh, you know, gone with the wind, and we've got the old uh, colonial front porch scene. No, 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 no. This is a village. And the villages usually, your houses would maybe be two, maybe three stories, narrow. Camels came through there. As I've studied on this, eight feet wide was the maximum. Usually one city gate that came into the village. And the father didn't have a front porch. And the boy could only come into the village one place, that gate, eight feet wide. So it is an amazing, where was the father? Uh, maybe on the rooftop looking out. Uh, maybe a window. But in a village of 100 to 125 people to just He saw him away off. The focus of his heart was on that gate. I wonder if he'd heard about the famine. I wonder if any news had come to him from the far country. Have you heard about my boy? Have you seen my boy? Where's my boy? Every day. And anyway, in this scene, the father's eye is on this city gate. And beyond that gate or at that gate, afar off, the father obviously has been focusing, looking, searching, not sleeping. He is anticipating the boy running out of money and someday feeling his need of him again. He sees him afar off. 
I think only parents can understand what it means to see a son afar off, a daughter, to stay up that you don't sleep till they come home at night, that you don't do good if they're not doing good. And a yearning heart, you're lucky, you're lucky. My sister Hazel once needed to be rescued from a person. I never will forget my mother and my sister and I. She was driving down a country road, having just left her off. She was poor. She was broke. She's working with another woman in a hill church where there were just women and children. But my sister's health was going. Her money was spent. She was, she was spent. And when she dropped my sister off in this little hill church in Oklahoma, my mother drove down a road and all of a sudden flipped a U-turn and she came back. And as soon as she pulled up in that driveway, my sister had sprung to the door because she's praying, Lord, if you want to deliver me, bring my mother back. My sister Ruth and I will never forget it. The weeping, the hugging, the rescuing, And she brought her back, rescued her. Something that's really amazing here. He said he was filled with compassion. And this is a hidden identity marker because throughout the ministry of Christ, the number one emotion of his ministry was compassion. Not anger, compassion. It was his number one emotion. And it's like a hidden identity marker in here. It's just just stuffs it in there and said, by the way, the father, he was filled with compassion. The father ought to smack him. The father ought to rebuke him. The boy's coming back to the village where he shamed the family name, where he wished a death wish on his dad. I'm coming back, and I'm going to tell you what you should have been doing, how you should have treated me, but none of that. He runs, and he's filled with compassion, and it's the word to come from the core of your being. He was overwhelmed with empathy for this boy. And then it says something that is shocking. The Pharisees had to nearly squirm. They couldn't believe the story. They had to be outraged. He runs to the boy. You don't run in the Middle East if you're an adult man. Little boys run, little girls run, and fathers never run. Uh, The code of the uh, Middle East is the inferior always beseeches the superior. What the boy should have been doing in all custom, the custom was he could kiss his father's hand, but in this case, when you've shamed the family, he should start with his feet. And you ought to see a boy running to his father's feet, kneeling down, kissing, kissing them, begging forgiveness. But instead, the old man breaks all Middle Eastern propriety, and he runs, and the village is watching him. He's running through town. So what's this? We've never seen him run in our lives. You, you just don't run. They had a, uh, a modesty thing that men were not to show their legs in public, believe it or not. And, but in that culture, you had to pull up the robes So you had to do it so you wouldn't trip over them. So you had to bare your legs. That was a shameful thing. It was against all propriety for you to run. He's the rebel. You're the father. Let him come home begging. Make him grovel. 
Make him earn his way back in your heart. Don't be a sap, Dad. Don't be a sap. Don't ever trust him again. But remember, Jesus is telling the story, not you. The father runs to him. And some of the reasons for the running is the boy, some believe he could have been stoned by the village before he ever got to the father. A common thing when a son had brought shame on a parent or a village, the children would run out and sing the songs of scorn, and they could scorn the boy, scorning, scorning. You dirty so-and-so, you sold out your father, you brought all of this, and they could put, throw their stones. Many th- the flogging could take place by the city elders because the shame had been brought on the whole community. Guess what? The dad runs, and when he gets to him, he does something else. He falls on his neck and starts smothering his neck in tears. Instead of the boy doing the kissing, instead of the boy doing the stooping, instead of the boy initiating the affection, it's a father's heart that's doing all the kissing. But it's the father that's been outraged. It's the father that's been offended. And here he is with this boy the slop still on him, maybe. Stint. He wasn't taking showers down there with pigs, and he wasn't wearing Chanel number no. 5, believe me. He was in no condition to be hugged, kissed, and warmly received. But the, don't tell that to the old man. He starts smothering him with kisses, plants them on him, and you know what he does? He says, come with me. The dad introduces him back into the village. In essence, the dad says, you'll have to beat me to beat the boy. You'll have to sing to me. I won't let my boy hear the scorn by himself. I will introduce him to the village. I will introduce him back to the house. I will run the gauntlet of village shame, village maybe a penalty, I will intercept my boy so not a blow falls on him. It's sort of a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ running the gauntlet from heaven to come and get to you before the wrath of God could ever touch you. And he's the one that brings you into the Father's house, and he introduces you to the Father. He's the one that bore the stripes. He's the one that bore the beating for your sin, your rebellion, your rejection of God. It was Christ in the incarnation that bore the gauntlet, the reproach of men, to get one lost sheep, one lost coin, and one boy back. We'll look at it probably next week. You know what's amazing about the story told about the two sons? There was no one, no one that went looking for the boy. Somebody sought the sheep. Somebody sought the coin. But there was no one to seek out the boy. Nobody. Hunger brought him home. Not anybody going after him. Well, the father uh, says, uh, I've run. I've brought him back. I want to do some things for him. And uh, let me just mention them. I have to pick it up next week, lest we rush through it. He says, the father says to his servants. You see, the servants were looking for the cue. If he says to the servants, 
beating, they'll do it. They'll look into their father. Whatever the father's response gives them their cue of what they do. And the father says this, quick, bring the best robe. Guess who owned the best robe? The father. It's called the first robe. Go get the first robe in the house. That's my robe. Go get it. That means acceptance for sure. Uh, Then, he says, put a ring on his finger. And to wear the family ring meant you can transact business. This was the family seal. Put sandals on his feet. Guess what? Slaves didn't wear uh, shoes. He said, I'm not worthy to be a son. Just treat me like a slave. And immediately the dad says, put some shoes on him. This is my son, not a slave. This is my son. Instant restoration. And he tells him to go, go prepare a calf. Well, you never, you never killed a calf but once in a blue moon because meat was hard to come by. No refrigeration. He's killing enough food in a calf to feed the whole village. I want everybody to know, not my son's shame, but my restorative love. We're going to have a party. Just like you said about the sheep. They throw a party up there. They throw a party in heaven when someone finds something that's lost. And on the earth, the Pharisees wanted no party for sinners. Jesus is saying, in heaven they party when a fallen person comes back. The religious, self-righteous community has no time to give parties only for the good boys. Only for the nice boys. And Jesus says, God throws parties for sinners that come home. Church life, it's easy to become the Pharisees where we resent any parties for anybody that hasn't been semi-perfect. And thus we create a house full of self-righteous, non-loving, sinner kinds of people. Why such a party? He said, this was my son that was dead. This was my son that I lost. Now, Jesus is telling this story because he's defending his ministry. He's not just telling this to give you a warm, fuzzy little story. He's theologically making one of the greatest statements in the world. God's agenda is opposite of the Pharisees. The Pharisees want to look good in their own works. They want to shut people out. They're selective Their their standards are all this and that. They don't see themselves as needing God's righteousness because they're righteous enough in themselves. And so the first story is, the whole story is not done yet. There's another prodigal in the story, and we'll pick that up next week. And he's the religious prodigal. He's the works prodigal. He's the guy that thinks he deserves everything he gets. He doesn't need any compassion. He's earning what he gets. And it's our problem. You're one of two kinds. You're either the one that rebelled and you know you came out of great sin and you came to God. Or you could be the self-righteous one that, I never needed this kind of forgiveness. I've always been faithful to the Father. And Jesus was constantly dealing with this attitude. And it's what was damning the Pharisees. They wouldn't come to his salvation banquet Because they were too righteous to need it. And so as we look today, one of the great things God does for us in family life 
Are you a fool to want to forgive an erring son or an erring daughter? No, you might be like God. And you're always set up to be used. But this Father's heart is what saves the day. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Men, you are invited to join us here at Valley Bible Church for our 2023 men's conference. It's called Walking to Win. Are you mission-minded for the Lord? It'll all be surrounding John 9, verse 4. It takes place Friday, March 17th, 6 to 9 p.m. Check-in begins at 5.30. And then Saturday, March the 18th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Breakfast begins at 8 a.m. Lunch is served 12 to 1. Now the cost per attendee for the both days, $50 for men 18 and older, 25 for youth 12 to 17. It includes dinner Friday, breakfast, and lunch on Saturday. Again, that is Friday, March 17th, and Saturday, March 18th for the Valley Bible Church 2023 Men's Conference, Walking to Win, Are you mission-minded for the Lord? Call for details or stop by our website, valleybible.org. Our phone number is 510-799-3171. 510-799-3171. Guest speaker for our conference this year is Pastor Tony Arns, founding pastor of Folsom Bible Church. Join us for this year's Men's Bible Conference, Walking to Win. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.